Well, good morning, everybody here at Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Saying hello to fewer people this morning. We've got eight to ten people who are out of town, and you notice it when you've got a group of people who aren't here. I will suggest to you, we notice it when any of you are not here. We miss you when you're not here and want you to come back and be with us each and every opportunity that you can. We, we get together in order to worship God. That's why we're here on Sunday mornings. And in fact, that's going to be the theme of what we discuss this morning. We're going to talk about worship. Uh, to those who are at Knowles, uh, thank you for joining us. I know it's later in the day, but uh, we appreciate you and, and view you as part of our family here. Worship's an important thing to discuss because we want to see what the Bible says about worship. The Bible is our only guide to how we live and how we behave and how we act and how we worship God. And we want to know what the Bible says about how we live, about how we behave, about how we worship God, because if God wants us to do something, we want to know what God wants us to do. So when we're looking at worship, and I appreciate Matt reading Matthew 4.10, where Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. That's why we are here, to serve God and to worship God. So spend a few minutes with me here this morning to look at what the Bible says about worship. First of all, when we say worship, what do we mean by that word? That's probably not a word that we use all that often. Sometimes man when he's gone crazy will talk about how he may worship the ground that his girl walks on uh, and of course that's only probably true until he gets mad at her for something else so that's not really what we're discussing here worship is reverent love respectful love and devotion given to God you know, I, when I think about worship certainly when I think about it in the time of the Bible I think of someone who was on their hands and knees in front of the idea of being in front of God on your hands and knees, that I, all I have is yours. My life, everything is yours. I am yours. That's an important aspect here of worship. Love and devotion given to God. Ardent, intense devotion and adoration. There's no real focus here on entertainment. Worship is not something to where if, if I had had a good time, I must have worshiped God you know, the way the Bible wants me to. I tend to have a good time watching an Indiana Jones movie. I have a good time watching a football team that I like win. I have a good time doing a lot of other things. That's not love, that's reverent and devotion. It's a quiet time understanding who we are and to the best we can, who God is and devoting ourselves and all that we have to God. As Matt read, Matthew 4.10, then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, get away from me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Worship is to be devoted to God. God is the object of worship. Um, as I say, sometimes people seem to almost worship other people. Uh, they seem devoted to celebrities or to uh, other people prominent, well-known people, and it can also often seem as if almost a worshipful kind of, of deferential 
uh, treatment and, and presence to those people. They are elevated so high, it's almost as if they are being worshipped. God is to be the object of our worship. Who do we devote our love and our lives to should be God. How do we worship God? How do we worship God? Well, I think this is an important one. It's in 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 18. Paul says, but in enjoining this and talking about this with what he's been discussing in chapter 11, it says, I do not praise you. I'm not really giving you high marks on this because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. They had gathered together as members of God's family in the small, relatively small town of Corinth. When they came together as a church, as a congregation, it didn't make them better. It was worse when they got together. Where he says, first of all, when you come together in church, I hear there are divisions among you. The assumption underlying this is that Christians get together to worship God. That's an underlying basis for the entire thing. He didn't say if you come together. He said when you come together. Why are we here? We are here because God wants his family to get together to worship him and express our love and adoration and devotion to God and to build each other up, to encourage each other so that tomorrow we can be more committed to being the kind of person God wants us to be. I want you to imagine if you came here on Sundays and you left feeling worse. You left feeling not as committed. You left thinking, well, I guess it really doesn't matter if I do the right things tomorrow. Or it was so contentious, right? Heather and I are in a big fight, Phil screaming at Matt, Jim is you know, screaming at Emma, and Emma's just throwing things at people. That would Emma, I'm teasing, you would never do that, I know. But imagine if it's more chaos and people leave worse than before they came. That would not be what ought to happen when we get together to worship God. There's also this idea that's out there that you really don't need to get together. I referred to that one time and I, I realize now I might should have cast it a little differently, but it's almost kind of like a Lone Ranger Christian. The Lone Ranger, right, was the one ranger out in the West with his faithful sidekick trying to you know, have truth justice, not the American way, that was Superman. But he was out there trying to establish justice, but he was by himself. God doesn't want his people to be Lone Ranger Christians. I don't know about you, but it gets hard when you're by yourself. It does me. And if we can get together and be encouraging to each other, we can see that, yes, I had COVID last week, and that's why I wasn't here. Well, you know something? Other people get sick sometimes too. And so sickness, we hope, will pass away and we'll get better. We can do better next week. I, I got mad too many times last week. Well, look, think about it. If we can encourage each other, I can be better tomorrow maybe than I was yesterday. That's why God wants us not to be alone, not to be out there by ourselves, but that's why God wants us to get together. Hebrews 10 says that we get together to stir one another up to love and good works. We are to encourage each other to get our hearts set on fire. It's almost like charging your phone. Your phone works fine away from an outlet, 
For what? Six months? No. Your phone works for a while, but it needs to come back to the source and get recharged. We as God's Christians, as God's people rather, need an input almost of power, an input of getting fired up so that we have the energy to keep on keeping on and to try this next week. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes Sunday through Saturday, by the time you can get to Saturday, it's been a hard, long week. The hope is that Sunday will be a high point, like plugging into one of these outlets where we are encouraged. You know something? There are people that care about me. There are people who know when I'm not here. There are people who care when I'm sick. There are people who love me, and God loves all of us. When you get together, God expects us to get together to worship God, and I'm so thankful all of you, all of us are here today to worship God. When we worship God, what does the Bible indicate we are doing? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, still in 1 Corinthians, in two places here, in this, this one verse, Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with the mind. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the mind. You know, I could get up here, I'd have to practice I could get up here and pray in Latin. Amenus, Deus, et, you know, I, I, could, I could do Latin. I had it in high school. I'm bound to find something. All Gaul is divided into three parts. Caesar, Gallic Wars. Gallia est omnis divisi and partes tres. Does that mean? I mean, I just said what it meant. Well, would that have meant anything to you? Maybe not. Why would I say things unless they had meaning behind them? Unless there was an understanding behind them? Well, when we pray, you pray with the Spirit. Your heart needs to be poured out to God. God, has been a hard week. Please bless your people. Bless me that we can do better for you this next week. Help me to be a better person, to be more loving, to be tender-hearted, to be kind. All these things. With our minds, understanding what we're talking about, and with the heart, with our spirit. That's why we pray, and Matt just led us in prayer. And there will be a prayer in a few minutes before we partake of the Lord's Supper. There will be a prayer at the end, a closing prayer, that commits us to going out and living for God this next week. Pray. That's an important part of worship when we are together as God's people. He also talks about singing. In the same way, when we're singing... You know, I, I can remember, I don't know why, but in, in high school, sometimes in chorus, we would sing songs in Latin. And the teacher would have us concentrate on the exact pronunciation of all the little Latin phrases and T's and all that kind of stuff. We had no clue what we were singing. And if we were singing in Latin as a chorus, it may sound beautiful, but it means nothing. Unless you just happen to speak Latin. I know I'm picking on Latin today. Chinese, whatever it may be. If you're singing in a language that you don't understand, and people listening to you don't understand, then it's certainly you're not singing with the mind, with the understanding. We just sang some songs that had a lot of meaning to them. Worship the King, all glorious above. Sing before the Lord. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble before the throne. There are words in our songs 
God wants us to sing from the heart, but to understand praising God and understand encouraging each other. So here in this one verse, part of worship, in addition to, you know, the whole idea of doing it together, you can sing by yourself, but God wants us to get together and sing. You can pray by yourself, absolutely. God wants us to get together and pray from the heart with the spirit and from the mind with the understanding. Another aspect of it comes from Colossians 4, 16. And what I'm doing is I'm looking for examples in the New Testament to show what God's people did when they got together, to show what God approved of the, his people doing when they got together in worship. They gathered together as a congregation. Toward the end of chapter 4 of Colossians, he says, and when this letter is read before you, when you've read the book of Colossians, he wrote to the church at Colossae, a city, when you read this letter that I sent to you guys, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you read the letter of Laodicea. They were kind of uh, brother and sister towns. They were about two or three miles apart. And so when you're that close, wow, look at this. We got a letter from Paul. Everybody get together. We're going to see what Paul had to say, the Apostle Paul. And when we're done with that, send it over and have it read right over there. So one focus of worship when we gather together is to read from God's Word. That's what we're doing with Colossians 4.16. That's what we did with 1 Corinthians 14.15. That's what we did with Matthew 4.10. Read from God's Word because those are the words God wanted His people to hear. And we look to see how they can apply to us today as well. So we read God's word as part of worship. It's as if, and it should be thought of this way, God <coughs> is directly speaking to us when we read his word. What is God's word? Well, we're going to typically know that it's the books in the Bible, the words of Jesus and the words of his servants, the apostles. That's why we have this book that's called the Holy, the different book, the Holy Bible, the different Bible. We read what God has written and seek to learn from them to be better people. On the first day of the week, it's funny how Corinthians has a lot to talk about with regard to worship because Paul gave a lot of detailed instructions to them. 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he or she may prosper so that contributions need not be made when I come. Paul was going through churches of Greece, collecting money to carry it to poor Christians over in Judah, over in Judea, long way off. And he asked everybody, when you get together, put something aside. That's what these wicker baskets are going to be for in a few minutes. And the reason that you did it on the first day of the week is that's when everybody got together. Christians assemble on the first day of the week, Sunday, which is why we're here together. His real reason for it here was so that you don't go have to dig up money out of holes in the ground behind your house when I'm in town. If I'm coming through with a short thing, save it up, store it up, collect it so that I can more easily take it with me to help these people. Well, Lindsley Avenue has some expenses. I mean, look up, right? We see the light bulbs on. We have to pay that bill. We've got the air conditioning going. I'm very glad about that. 
We have to pay for the air conditioning. We pay for the donuts. We pay for the coffee. We pay for maintenance of the building. One of the, it almost looks fixed back there, but one of the pews was broken. Uh, it has to get, had to get fixed. You can see up here, look how much nicer the wall looks, right? There are things that have to be paid for. There are things we do to help members of our community. There are things we do to reach out to people. That's what we do. We collect some money to keep the congregation going and to help people. Just like Paul told the Corinthians here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There's another thing you notice that says, as you may prosper. If you're not prospering, God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. We always have to be careful. Money is a trap. It certainly hurts when you have little to none. I understand that. But a ton of money is not going to make you a ton more happy. So don't think of it in that way. If you prosper and you can, God loves a cheerful giver. Give to help other people. As people potentially have given to help others. That's part of worship. Also on the first day of the week, this is over in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. When we get together to worship, on the first day of the weeks, when the disciples had gathered together in order to break bread. You see that in order to? That language means for the purpose of. They gathered together on the first day of the week in order to break bread. What does breaking bread mean? Breaking bread is used, that language is used about the Lord's Supper throughout the New Testament. So when the disciples on the first day of the week, on Sunday, had gathered together for the purpose of remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the sacrifice he made for us, by partaking of the Lord's Supper. So one of the aspects of worship, one of the things we do when we get together, is we partake of the Lord's Supper, as we're going to do right after, you know, I'm finished talking here in just a couple of minutes. And they did it on the first day of the week, Sunday. They gave on Sunday, and they got together on Sunday, so the worship was occurring on Sundays, first day of the week. The part that uh, some of you may not be all that happy about, when they also had gathered together on that first day of the week, says, being about to depart on the morrow in the morning, Paul preached, and the word there is reason, unto them and continued his speech until midnight. <laughs> that we often don't do. I know you'll be very happy about that. I have no intention of speaking to even 1 p.m. today. We'll be done. I'll be done a lot sooner than that. It used to be a contest sometimes. Preachers would make people see if they could faint in the pews by going on for three or four or five hours. We don't do that much anymore. Say what you're going to say. Tell them what you said. Remind them of what you said and then sit down. That's what I try to do. Two things they did when they gathered together on the first day of the week. They partook of the Lord's Supper. They focused on what Jesus had done for them by dying so that we would have the opportunity to live. And Paul reasoned with them. And that's the idea with the, the Bible, with the written word, with what God has said to his people. You talk about it and hopefully help it make some sense to apply to something for all of us to work on. That's what I'm trying to do when I'm standing up here. Some Sundays I do better at that than others. But that's the goal, is to take what God had said, help try to explain it, 
make sure we understand what it said and say, oh, by the way, here's how that will help us tomorrow. So two other things here for the um, act of worship, things we do when we get together. Another one here in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, Paul tells the people here, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Okay, don't get drunk. When you're drunk, you can't think. Remember, we're supposed to sing with the spirit and sing with the mind, sing with the understanding, pray with the spirit and pray with the mind. When we have preaching going on, it's to, something for us to reason with. I've been around people who are drunk out of their skulls. They don't know where they are. Sometimes they don't know who they are. And they certainly aren't going to remember tomorrow, uh, tomorrow what happened today. That's not the way God wants us to be. How can we be better people if we don't have any memory of what kind of person they, we even were the day before? So don't get drunk because that's just wastefulness. I mean, that's why we say, right, hey, man, that person's really wasted. That's the idea right here. Debauchery, a great big word. It means don't, because that's just where you waste yourself. You waste your life. Instead of being filled with wine, instead of being drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? What happens when I'm filled with the Spirit, when I'm focused on God? We will speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We'll be singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, or to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of being bombed, how about we be focused on God with our spirits singing, being happy, and speaking to each other. One of the reasons we sing and one of the reasons the songs have words is we sing those words to each other. I hear Phil singing. I hear Howard singing. I hear those words and they teach me something. All praise to him who dwells above. We sang that in the Blessed Be the Name song. Words have meaning. That's why we focus sometimes on our fifth Sundays with the words of the songs. I'm singing and I'm making melody where? Right here. The melody's in my heart as the heart really is kind of chiming inside me with the spirit and the mind and the heart. So what does the New Testament show God's people doing as part of worship? When they gathered together, they prayed, they read scripture, they read things that Jesus had said that had been written down or that the apostles had said it had been written down. They gave as they could. They were involved in breaking bread or the Lord's Supper. There was some preaching and teaching and that doesn't need to always be the most important part of a worship service. Not at all. Not at all. They sang, we do all of these things here at Lindsley Avenue. And that really is all we do here at Lindsley Avenue. Why? Because that's what they did in the New Testament. We seek to do what they did in the New Testament because that's what was done with God's approval. That's the example we have. We do what God wants us to do. And that's the, the basic premise. That's the basic idea behind Lindsley Avenue in Churches of Christ. Let's do what the Bible says to do. Other people may do other things, but let's do what the Bible says to do because that we know God approves of. God wanted his people to do in the past, and he wants us to do it today. 
We strive, we try to be the same as people as they were in the New Testament, as they were in the first century. So when you look at this, right, we do all these different things because they did it in the Bible. But what about, and then you can start filling in the blank. What about something else that's not one of these things? You know, I was with a group one time and they did this. Well, if you're doing something that you don't find in the Bible, I don't really have a good answer for that. My real basic answer is, I don't know. But I know these are the things Christians in the first century did. And these are the things God approved of them doing. I remember uh, some point somebody was telling me that they want, for example, they want to worship God by fishing. <laughs> they want to worship God by fishing. So they went out to worship God Sunday mornings by trying to catch a fish. They kept biting the same worm over and over again. I, I kind of like fishing, but is fishing really what God wants me to do to worship him? Or somebody's a great gymnast. You know, I don't know if we should set up a trampoline and have jumps praise God or whatever it's a pretty simple basic idea of what did they do when the church was young what did they do when the apostles were in the churches what do we read that they did and let's just do that somebody's doing something else my answer is still I don't really know it's not mentioned in the Bible here's what we're going to do because it is mentioned in the Bible that's why we do what we do here at Lindsley Avenue. Now, I do want to point out some of the early Christians. I know some of some people uh, aren't aware of these things. But some of the early Christians, after the time of the New Testament, also said things about what they did when they got together. Look at this one. And on the day called Sunday, all who live in cities or in the country gathered together in one place. Remember, it's assumed that God's people get together on Sunday to worship him. And the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read. The writings of the prophets might have been Isaiah, Jeremiah, might have been Ezekiel, might have been Daniel. They're reading things from what the prophets in the Old Testament said. Memoirs of the apostles, right? It's kind of funny when you think about it, but things that the apostles wrote. They read from that and as long as time permits, there was a time limit, right? We are exhorted, we are encouraged to imitate these things. When Paul said, do not lie to one another, somebody in that gathering was encouraging everyone who was there. Let's do like Paul said, to not lie to each other, but to live for God. We are exhorted to imitate these things. Then we rise together and pray. When our prayer is ended, Bread and wine and water are brought. Now, that's the Lord's Supper. And Welch's grape juice is a relatively new invention. Well, keeping grape juice not turning into wine is fairly new. So what they did, if somebody had a problem with alcohol in the past, the last thing you want is for people when they get together to worship God is to fall off the wagon again by having wine with alcohol in it. So they would water it down to cut the edge of the alcohol. That's what this water is here for. So they would bring bread and essentially fruit of the vine, but they watered it down where there was not nearly as much alcohol in it as there might have been. They took the Lord's Supper. Then prayers again and alms. That's giving. They would put, I don't know if it was into a basket, 
or a sack or whatever it was, but people would give as they could or offered, and the people assent by saying amen. That is Justin Martyr in 160 AD. What we read in the verses from Corinthians is about AD 50. What we read in Ephesians is about AD 60. A hundred years later, they're still doing the same things. Tertullian, writing 200 AD, said, In the early Christian services, nothing but meetings at early morning for singing hymns to Christ and God. So they were still singing in 200 AD. We try to be just like them and do what we read in the Bible that people did after the Bible was written. Over time, things got brought in that aren't mentioned in the Bible. Don't know so much about that, but I know what the Bible says they did, and that's what we do. That's my basic point today. I want to make sure we understand. I'm not up here pointing fingers at people that do something different. I'm just saying the Bible says to do this. That's what we want us to do. A couple of other things. Perhaps the most important aspect of worship completely, overall, the most important aspect of worship. I don't want to diminish praying and singing and things like that, but this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to do what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If we don't give ourselves to God, nothing we do in here matters. You're not going to pray your way into heaven if you haven't given yourself to God. You're not going to give your way into heaven, sing your way into heaven, unless you have first given all that is you to God. So he's appealing, please. He's saying, listen to me, brothers and sisters. By the mercies of God, as he's given them to me, present your bodies to God, not to immorality, not to wine, not to physical things that people might do. Give your bodies to God holy. The idea of being holy is different from so many of the people around us. Holy that would be acceptable to God. And notice he says, that's your worship from the spirit. I might worship in the spirit and in the mind and in the, the, with the words of a prayer or singing. Again, none of that matters. None of it matters if I don't give myself to God first. So in the New Testament, as we saw today, Worship involves singing, reading the scriptures, praying, teaching, and giving, and Lord's Supper. Our worship should too. The focus of worship is on God. It's not on me. It's on me focusing on God. Where is our focus? Where's our focus this morning? Where was your focus yesterday? This is part of that encouraging that they did 2,000 years ago that we want to do today. If I really can't say that my focus has been on God, living for God, and giving my life to God because of all that He's given me, my focus is just in the wrong place. Worship involves giving ourselves to God. I want to urge you today, won't you please, please do that today if you have not? If you're not a member of God's family, then you need to understand Jesus lived and died for you, that he paid the price for all the sins you've ever done, that he was raised to live again, and that 
our response to that is to ask God to forgive us, to repent, which is really changing our lives and giving our lives to God, turning away from the things we want to do and do things God wants us to do. And then just as Jesus was buried and raised to be a new life from God, raised him from the dead, we die in the waters of baptism where God buries us as we are immersed. God forgives our sins as we are raised up out of that watery grave. We reenact the death, burial, and resurrection where God forgives our sins. If you've already done that, if you're already a member of God's family, then the question is, have I been living for God this last week? None of us are perfect. Did I do that every waking moment? Nope. Did I do it where I was not living for God in some public way that I need to make right? If so, the opportunity is for you to come and ask for prayer. We go to God, all of us need forgiveness, and to ask God to forgive us. Or if you're just facing a problem, if you've got something weighing on your heart, we are happy to take what's on your heart to God because the God of all comfort can comfort each and every one of us. If there's some way we can help you today, some way we can help you today, please come as together we stand and sing.